Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. Hello, my name is Greg Monteith, and welcome to today's podcast. Of recent, there has been some excellent activity, some very good discussion taking place in the Untangling Christianity Facebook group. And the discussion is centered on some comments that I made in episode 149, which is entitled, Feeling Dirty at Church. The kind of focus of the discussion, if you will, is the idea or the belief that by and large Christians, and by and large Christian churches or evangelical Christian churches, are doing a fairly good job at engaging with outsiders. In other words, one of the, our listeners is, is putting forth the idea that um, Christian churches are doing a good job at seeking to engage with outsiders, seeking to understand them, and are working towards this in an effective way. Now, I want to address this comment and to put out, if you will, some content that's going to dovetail the content of the, uh, the comment and the focus of the integration project are going to dovetail, I believe, in this discussion. I want to frame this, though, with, I guess, a concern that John has raised to me, a perspective that he holds and I respect, and that is this idea of when you're presenting something, let's say in a Christian context, you're presenting uh, a project or an idea. So in this case, we're talking about the integration project. John's perspective is present the positives, present it according to the value and the gains that Christians stand to make by embracing this project. For example, highlight the fact that this will help them improve their relationship with God. This will help them, or engaging with the integration project will help them have a better means of approaching and understanding their Bibles, and will help them better to integrate the various aspects of their life and their Christian faith. And on the one hand, I very much agree with John. This is a good way to go. On the other hand, I think what's necessary oftentimes, what I find in Christian context is people say, hey, we're already doing this pretty well. What exactly are you going to add to this? And I think the issue that I'm seeing again and again and again is people aren't doing this very well. In fact, in many senses, Christian churches, in my view, are failing miserably. And I realize this is a strong statement to make, and I'm going to try and back this up as I go through the podcast. But the tie-in here is this notion, for example, this in this one case, there are, there's a listener who's saying, you know, Christian churches are doing a good job engaging with outsiders. And in my view, Christian churches have completely missed the mark with outsiders. And so two issues that are at hand here. One, how do we approach something so that we can see it in a fresh way. Because I think one of the issues that I'm seeing in terms of some of the engagement recently in the Untangling Facebook group, and which I see commonly in churches when I'm engaging with folks is, Christians have their minds so much set to or framed by their own understanding of the world that it is impossible, seemingly, for them to step outside of it. Now, there are some, you know, sociological perspectives or even metaphors that would say, uh, it's more, I guess it's more of an analogy than a metaphor. 
it's like a fish in water. How do you help the fish understand that it's in water when its whole world is nothing but water? There, there's nothing to contrast it with. It can't see the difference. Now, on the one hand, I think I understand the analogy. Uh, on the other hand, I don't think that analogy holds because no one is ever completely within one sociological context, one cultural sphere. We are always broaching, melding into, moving from one cultural context, one sociological context to another. The trick, I think, is that Christians, many evangelical Christians, have this idea that we are to be so separate from these other contexts that we essentially have, have no, no grasp, no ability to relate and understand those other particular contexts. So in, the, in terms of the discussion that's been going on in the Untangling Christianity Facebook group, one of the things that I've been trying to promote is that if we are to measure if Christians are to measure their effectiveness and particularly how charitable or loving they are being towards outsiders, talk to the outsiders. Get their perspective on it. In other words, I may think I'm completely connecting with somebody when in fact I'm not connecting with anyone at all. And part of this is that it is very rare for uh, Christians to have sustained conversations with non-Christians. Most times what we're talking about is we're talking about Christian programs that have been created for, by churches that are open to community members or whomever. And then you see, you know, perhaps some people will participate or what have you. Now, I think the difficulty here, again, is that what we need is to have real people in front of us, to have real conversations of sufficient length that are sufficiently focused on what it is we're trying to evaluate ourselves on. And I think this is the other thing is that Christians don't do that. Christians don't say, hey, you know what? I really want to know how well I'm doing in engaging with somebody who is of a different perspective. So I'm going to invite somebody who has a different perspective to come and give me feedback. When have you ever heard that? And yet that is exactly what we do in the business world. That is exactly what we do in social settings when things aren't working out well, in counseling settings. We bring in folks who will give us feedback, who may have a professional relationship, but they also may have simply a, a topical relationship, right? They may be related to the topic that we're speaking on, and we get them to give us feedback. Without this, it seems to me that what we're always risking, and probably much more so than less so within, in a Christian context where Christians are trying to distance themselves from things outside of their context and their culture, we risk misunderstanding. In fact, we risk, Christians risk taking their words, their views, and their concerns and applying them to other people. Now, I've made this uh, I've referenced this uh, experience to John a couple of times. I remember being in a church, watching a video put on by a Christian institution that I thought was extremely one-sided, and then listening as the Christians in the room all applauded and reinforced the messages that were being put out in the video. One comment in particular struck me. This woman made the comment, it's sad to see all those non-Christians just hiding from God. And I think this is a very, very, uh, this is a classic case of applying my own categories 
and my own viewpoints to other people for whom those categories and viewpoints don't have any weight, they don't hold, they're not relevant. So in other words, how is somebody who's not a Christian, who doesn't believe in God, how are they hiding from God? God doesn't even exist. And this is some of the stuff that Christians need to grasp. They need to get this in their head, and they need, in other words, to stop trying to insist that Christians think the way that they think, that non-Christians, pardon me, think the way that the Christians think in order for the non-Christians to understand. No self-respecting person would do this. If I have a Buddhist friend or an Islamic friend who says to me, you know, the problem with Christianity is this, this, and this. If you were to take, if you were just to see things the way I see things, if you were to believe what I believe and hold your perspective, this perspective on the world that I hold, you would understand that Buddhism or Islam, whatever the example happens to be, is the right way to view the world. That's the right, right belief set to hold. And of course, my response would be, that's crazy. If it's the right way to hold, to believe, and to uh, the right belief set to hold, I should be able to see that from where I stand. I should at least be able to have enough information coming to me and enough evidence and proof for me to want to take another step in that direction in terms of an investigation. Because the idea that somebody else should believe things the way I do and see them the way I do in order to understand correctly simply means that there's something completely wrong with their mind. When in, uh, uh, what we're actually hopefully saying is Christianity is rational. It's got some rational components you can grab onto, right? That makes sense from wherever you happen to stand because it's related, deeply related to how we live life in this world. Live, live in this world. Another way of saying this is simply Christians need to engage non-Christians on the non-Christians' terms. In, if we're not doing that, I, I don't know too many non-Christians who are coming and looking to me as a Christian and asking me, so I'd really like to know more about your perspective. It's really interesting to me. Uh, tell me how this might affect how I live in the world and tell me you know, some of these things. This is extremely rare, if not at all, right? And this kind of comes back to the topic in episode 149. Part of the topic was this, this notion that seekers as a category of people, people who are just hungry for anything and good, they're, they're kind of low-hanging fruit, if you will, f from an evangelical or an evangelistic perspective, these folks just don't exist, right? People may be more open in certain respects to Christianity, but the, the notion that someone is going to come to me and seek me out from my perspective, it never happens this way. The way it happens, and what we see in the biblical text, what we see in our, the world around us, is Christians go out with a particular message, with a particular agenda. Now, if that agenda is going to be perceived as in any way valid, let alone relevant, the only way we're going to be able to do this is if we take the concerns and the viewpoints of other folks seriously, if we come and approach the discussion on their terms. So one of the things I've suggested in past is asking questions like, do we consider what's in it for somebody else? What's in it for a non-Christian to participate in a conversation with me? What's in it even more so for a non-Christian to be present at a Christian event? Are we even considering 
what this might be like. It's, it sounds, to be honest, um, it sounds insane to me to think that non-Christians are going to have to want, have anything uh, to do with Christian events when by and large Christianity is simply viewed as irrelevant. And I think this is what, what Christians are just, they want to defend themselves from this view. They want to protect themselves from the view that Christianity has nothing to offer the wider culture. I mean, this is, it's more than tragic. It's terrible. But I think this is exactly what happens. I mean, I've raised this, uh, this story with John Van Sloten and going to the, uh, you know, um, Metallica, the day Metallica came to church and his invitation to the uh, conference uh, by atheists and his question, you know, what, what's, what's the kind of the thing about Christians that, that really is the, the most problematic piece in terms of the, you know, how you interact. And they, they completely shut him down and said, hey, man, you're on the wrong track entirely. We don't even think about you folks anymore. You folks are absolutely irrelevant. This has to sink in. We have to get this as Christians, and we have to totally refocus. Because when we seek non-Christians as, quote, hiding from God, when we talk to non-Christians about their views of, quote, heaven, they're not thinking about these things. When heaven is raised, it has nothing to do with some plagiarized or bastardized view of a Christian perspective. It's, if anything, uh, referencing some sort of peaceful or pleasant afterlife. And it's just this kind of vestigial uh, Judeo-Christian concept that has no, no, no content to it. And so when Christians say, oh yeah, and there are all these problems with their views of heaven, man, you've got to connect with what they're actually saying. They're using the word in a very different sense. And when you fail to notice that, number one, they're not, <laughs> any non-Christian that I talk to is keenly aware of this enormous gap in understanding between most Christians' perspectives of non-Christians and the perspective that most non-Christians actually hold. They're vastly apart. And this simply reinforces the idea, Christians, they're out of touch with life. And therefore, once again, surprise, surprise, Christianity is irrelevant. Another important piece here is this idea that evangelical Christians tend to have of themselves that if they don't have all the right answers, they have all the answers that count. The idea that evangelical Christians have all the ideas, all the answers that count. And this, I think, is enormously problematic. First of all, it's untrue, because you see so much brokenness in Christian communities. And you see one of the things that tends to happen is Christians tend to confuse certain things about, you know, their their culture or their sociology, their kind of way of interacting with each other and forming communities with God's way. They tend to confuse their views and their understandings of life with God's understandings. They inflate and exaggerate the role of the Holy Spirit to the point that the Holy Spirit's there helping them do everything just right. When the Holy Spirit is supposed to be there helping them live the Christian life correctly. And those are two very different things. Holy Spirit is not going to help you do your job perfectly. The Holy Spirit is not going to help you parent perfectly. The Holy Spirit will contribute to a Christian's life insofar as he and she, he or she is willing to allow the Holy Spirit to act. The Holy Spirit's not going to sort of trump and take hold of or act like a puppeteer working the strings of uh, uh, your life relative to whatever you may pray about. Uh, your your prayers, if your prayers and your actions and orientations run across purposes, guess what? You're thwarting the Holy Spirit. 
You're certainly not going to be magically changed into someone and something who's able to live life in some sort of perfected way. And, you know, when I say it that way, I think most Christians naturally say, oh, well, that's just, that's an exaggeration, Greg. Well, um, from what I've seen, it seems like an awful lot of folks put an awful lot of stake and confidence in the Holy Spirit doing far more work for me, for me than seems reasonable. You know, and again, this is taking this idea that Christianity is a partnership, and all of a sudden, my view of partnership is God does it all. And of course, there are other Christians who would say, you know, effectively, their view of partnership is that they do it all. And this whole notion of collaboration, not present at all. Another comment that I made uh, in episode 149 had to do with the worship content or the content, if you like, of church. And Another thing that's a priority within the integration project is allowing Christianity to be presented in an embraceable way for those outside of the Christian faith. I very much believe that church is not that. I believe that church massively fails on that. To be clear, my view is that churches are not first to be places of worship, but places where love and truth are promoted and embodied in a manner that fosters what I might call sufficient conditions for most people, most of the time, to relate rightly with themselves, with God, with others, and the world around them. So, does this involve worship? Yes, I think so. But worship is not the only or even the main activity. So what I think should be taking place instead is churches or whatever this, I I would even, I would move away from the whole church idea. Instead, I would have gatherings of people who are talking about things that are meaningful and significant in life. Because I think what's happening is churches are so disconnected with the world around them and so disconnected with the viewpoints of those who are not within their fold that I don't think there's any way of bringing churches back to a place where they will be relevant to non-Christians. In fact, I think the only reason to continue quote-unquote, doing church, as it has always been done in recent North American culture and history, is if Christians believe that those responsible for the massive decline, and I think if you're not seeing a massive decline in church attendance, uh, church affiliation, because adherence to Christian perspectives, if you want to call it that, I think you've got your eyes closed. But if you're, the only reason to continue doing church as it's always been done in North America is that you believe that those responsible for this massive decline and the decline in, in, if you like, basic credibility for Christians is, on the one hand, what you might say are, are sinful, sin, sinful society or those sinful non-Christians, and I'm using that in a, as, a, as an ironic term. I, I simply don't believe that our society or, our, or non-Christians often are, are any more sinful than Christians are. But sin is something that continues to be, you know, a problem, and that is often, if not universally, misunderstood as a set of rules rather than the ways in which we behave or fail to behave, think, fail to think, that create barriers between us and God. And that ultimately, therefore, will create barriers between us and and being our best selves, right? But I do think it's it's all those non-Christians out there, and it's maybe the devil, and you think that what whatever the decline may have to do with it does not have to do with those inside the church. And I think that that is, there's simply not enough evidence to support that. In fact, there's loads of evidence to contradict that. 
So this is why the integration project, on the one hand, as the name says, is about integrating life and faith. It's about looking at, well, if these things work this way in your personal life, your family life, your business life, your social life, why when you take ostensibly the same thing and you put it in your Christian life or your belief set, does it behave totally differently? I mean, if Christianity is related to all of life, if God, if you will, is the creator of all things, and this, is, this I think, is a very key notion that Christians often, often let slide. They often don't see that creation and salvation stand on the same plane, right? What's the relationship? Creation frames salvation. Salvation refigures creation. You're right, ask most Christians, I don't even think they could give you a sense of the relationship between those two. But if you were to listen to them speak, you're to jot down or make a tick mark every time you heard a comment about creation, the created order, uh, living in the world, etc., versus salvation, the Bible, some form of uh, particularly Christian way of thinking, I think that the second would outnumber the first many, many, many times. And I think that's wrong. I think that shows that we have become, as Christians and particularly evangelicals, overly focused on salvation to the detriment of creation overly focused on biblical knowledge, biblical ideas to the detriment of experience and living in the world. And this, I think, (laughs) it simply makes it seem so obvious that non-Christians are right when they decry the fact that Christians aren't connected with real life and that Christianity is irrelevant. Of course it is. If we're guilty of these things, then I don't see any reason how we could not be disconnected from real life and how our beliefs could not be irrelevant. And this is what I'm trying, pushing so hard with the Integration Project, hopefully, to help folks learn how to reverse. First of all, to identify, and then to reverse. So by way of summary, I think it's extremely difficult when you are a fish in a certain water, and again, I don't think that an analogy completely holds, but let's let's use it for the time being to say, Many evangelical Christians find themselves in situations where they are entirely surrounded with Christian thinking and where they believe and have been taught to believe that all of the viewpoints outside of that thinking are flawed, false, and of no value or very little value, right? If Christians don't have all the answers, they've been taught that Christians have all the answers that count. I think this is dead wrong. We don't live like this in our real life. We allow science to inform us of things. Christians don't go wiring their own homes willy-nilly. Most people, if they've got any sense at all, bring in an electrician. They make sure that things are done to code so they don't kill themselves. Most Christians don't go out and eat willy-nilly whatever they want, picking things off of the trees or going through fields and who knows, choosing any mushroom they might like from the field and making a pomodori sauce with mushrooms. Um, you know, I'm trying to come up with examples here and it's, it's kind of sounding silly, but I I think that's exactly the point. We take scientific, medical, psychological, et cetera, et cetera. There are many things that Christians just simply take on board because we need to, we wouldn't survive without them. The created world and the world around us has crucial aspects that we need to pay attention to. And our faith does not change the fact that certain things are bad to eat that there's a certain way of wiring your home, which is safer than others, that there are certain ways of relating with people that tend by and large to work better. 
And this is kind of moving into, you know, a second area that the integration project is working to enhance, and that's communication skills. First of all, listening skills. So if I, as a Christian, think I've got pretty much all the answers, but I've definitely got all the answers that count, my job's to speak. Why am I focusing on listening? The only reason I'm listening is to make you, the non-Christian, feel comfortable, right? Once I've listened to you enough, then I can tell you what all the right answers are. I can help you figure out what all the important stuff is. And then you'll get, quote unquote, get saved and all that. You know, that's an entirely other matter, this whole idea of getting saved, as though it's a state of being rather than a relational reality. The whole framing of it, I think, is off. But the idea here is that Christians need to listen. They need to engage in respectful dialogue. Above all, because people who are not Christians have loads of things to teach me. And not only about electrical wiring and food consumption and dental hygiene or whatever, they have things to teach me about how I engage with the Bible and live my Christian life. About how I engage with the Bible and how I live my Christian life. And I think this, for most Christians, is absolutely unheard of. It's a, it would be a shocking notion to think that somehow non-Christians have something to teach me. I mean, I can just go to another Christian if I don't know, right? I mean, they're going to know because somehow there's this idea that the Holy Spirit has created this foolproof, bulletproof kind of uh, system whereby God is working to ensure that Christians get it right. And my response is, I don't see the evidence for that. I don't see the evidence for that in the biblical text. That's not what the text is saying the Holy Spirit is doing. But most of all, if Christians were getting it right, most of the time, don't you think the people around us would be taking notice? Don't you think, despite everything that Christians might say about, oh, you know, those Christ non-Christians hiding from God or whatever, don't you think that more people would be turning to churches and you would have, at least as a minor theme, if not a major theme, stories of folks whose lives have been coming right because they have seen the evidence of right living amongst Christians and what it makes, what it means, and what it gives them. If this were taking place, there'd be a whole lot more good stories like that. But it's not taking place. And those stories aren't out there. And the sooner that Christians begin to embrace the reality that they have a very, very inadequate understanding of what outsiders believe and a very, very I would say ethnocentric and arrogant view of who has the goods. You know, if the relationship between people is a transaction of commodities, Christians always believe they've got the right goods, they've got the best goods. And I think in many cases, you know, there's a reality, I believe, that only by being in right relationship with God am I able to be in best relationship with myself, with others, and with the world around me. I very much agree with that. But so often what Christians have is a very, very flawed, very small, and very shaky notion of God, and a very shaky notion of how life and faith integrate. And they live that out. People see it, and they think, there's nothing to this. There's no value. And I think that's something that really needs to change. Next podcast, I will be talking more about the integration project and looking at some ways in which Christians can move towards integration, and yet some of the roadblocks that I'm seeing 
when they do make this movement. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.